Thomas. Our guest today, conductor and composer Michael Tilson Thomas. Sometimes I hear a piece which maybe is the only piece that someone wrote, or perhaps the only piece where they really kind of hit the target absolutely in its center. And for me, that's as much a miracle or a wonder, because it's part of the large testimony that music really is. Born in Los Angeles in 1944, Michael Tilson Thomas began his formal studies in music at the University of Southern California, where he studied piano, conducting and composition. At the age of 19, he was named music director of the Young Musicians Foundation debut orchestra and worked with Stravinsky, Copeland and Stockhausen on the premieres of their compositions in Los Angeles and was pianist and conductor for Heifetz and Piedagorski. Michael Tilson Thomas has conducted orchestras the likes of the Boston Symphony Orchestra, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, and in 1988 he succeeded Claudio Abbado as principal conductor of the London Symphony Orchestra. Tilson Thomas began his tenure in September 1995 as the San Francisco Symphony's 11th music director in a contract that extends through to the year 2005. Michael Tilson Thomas has been the recipient of numerous Grammy and international awards for his recordings. Among these, the Didson Conductors Award from Columbia University for his service to American music. And he was named Conductor of the Year by the Musical America International Directory of the Performing Arts in 1995. He's well known for his music lecture demonstrations at the Carnegie Hall and for his commitment to developing opportunities for young musicians. Well, with this in mind, when I met him recently, I asked him firstly if he thought young musicians today play with greater technical proficiency, but that the number of the few truly talented people remained the same. I would in some way agree with that, in that there are people who do have an unusual and insightful perspective on music, which seems not to have been taught to them by anyone, but something they just possess... But I would say also that this potential for expressive, insightful music-making must also be encouraged by the way in which people are trained. And music being as precise an art as it is has the danger of making people feel that there is a right and wrong way to do everything. And this can cause people to become very self-conscious about taking any sort of path that is a little bit original or a little bit personal. When that happens, I think that's a great loss for music because uh, the whole purpose of music is uh, communication between people and also the repertoire, even the standard repertoire, must change over time. It must come to mean different things to people in different generations as the people in those generations are themselves different people. Let's talk a little bit about the the orchestra you're with at the moment, the LSO. Um, It's a long association you've had with this particular 
ensemble. What's special about the London Symphony Orchestra? I've had a very long association with the LSO. I first conducted them in my 20s. And from the very first moment, I think it was a very good match because they are a very alert, extremely virtuoso, very fast-reacting orchestra. And this suits me, my temperament, and the kind of music that I want to make so that the um, ability of the orchestra to accomplish enormously intricate virtuoso playing and also to really change style quite radically change sound, change conception from one sort of piece to another. These are things which attract me greatly. And just the sheer energy level, there is a kind of muscularity and drive in the playing. Do you find that established institutions like the LSO is really, that these musicians remain open to playing new pieces, perhaps learning new pieces and being introduced to new pieces by you? I would say so very much. It's a very adventurous orchestra, so I don't think there's any problem in that regard. I mean, I think with any major orchestra that's played the repertoire a lot, there is the question of finding a new way of coming back to the old pieces that makes them seem fresh, interesting, challenging. And that's ultimately the biggest uh, responsibility and uh, challenge for a conductor, you know, what have you got to say about this piece that is different, which allows something new from the piece to shine forth? It mustn't distort the piece so that it is uh, no longer uh, following the message of the composer, but there are many ways in which these pieces can be played, which I suppose is why they are in the standard repertoire that over hundred or hundreds in some cases of years, they have found room to allow different readings be meaningful. That's an interesting point to connect perhaps with your own compositions. How do you think that they will grow and change as time goes by? Well, I would say as a composer, I'm trying all the time to make the music specific enough yet simple enough so that there is a lot of space for the performer. That particular balance is quite important to me because I am a pretty uh, intellectual guy and had a very rigorous education. But ultimately, because of my family heritage, I'm a, an instinctive person about music and about art. I try to use my education and my intellectual capacities as a way of informing my instinct. But I think musicians function the best and have the most to contribute primarily through their instincts. Analysis and nomenclature is kind of a um, diversion from the actual musical process. And the more you can notate the music or present the music in such a way that people can deal with it directly on a kind of experience level, experiential level, or emotional level. I think that works best for the musicians and perhaps ultimately for the, the um, creation of the performance that you want to, to, uh, to make.
you mentioned before that you found it necessary to take this break now in summer to stop music making as such so that you had the time to compose and to regenerate to once again rediscover various aspects of music. Tell us about the other creative process that's happening. Well, of course, I really began my life as a musician, as a composer, and that as a child, that's what I did when I was, you know, five years old. I was improvising music all the time. I they couldn't keep me away from the piano. I really didn't want to learn pieces by other people. I only wanted to play my own music. And then I did, you know, begin to uh, study piano more formally, and this all started, and then sort of by accident, I kind of fell into the circle of musicians in Los Angeles who were very much devoted to composers like Ulez, Berriot, John Cage, Morton Feldman, the real, what was that, the cutting edge of the avant-garde. For a long time, I really, this is the biggest regret of my life is that I truly believed that the progress and the future of music was more in this sort of avant-garde area of music, and therefore the music that I wrote, the style of it was uh, really not relevant. So for almost 20, 25 years, I wrote music only kind of, you know, for people's birthday parties or, you know, just occasional pieces for fun. And it wasn't until some of these pieces began to be taken up by artists, uh, sometimes initially as kind of encore pieces, and then more and more as pieces they wanted to play, people coming coming after me to write them a piece, that uh, I began to think more seriously about this. And it's quite a process uh, at this time of my life to be thinking, all right, what I'm basically trying to do is to refocus my life now more towards composing and take more time for it and kind of do a lot of the work that is necessary for it to really uh, turn out <laughs> like you know what I have in mind. Is it difficult to combine these two processes, the interpretation, the conducting, and your own compositions without one influencing the other? It is difficult. If you're truly a performer, this means that at the moment that you are performing the symphony, the tone poem, whatever it may be, that you are really one with the intention of that composer. So it's difficult, with all that happening, to kind of find your way back to just what it is that you want to say. And conversely, I find that when the summer ends and I have to go back to performing, that for the first week or two that I'm performing, it's as if the music is taking place behind a sort of frosted glass screen. I can see it and I can do what I need to do, but I'm not quite with it because I'm still really in my own thoughts and I have to make that transition. What about other influences and other music? I think the categories have gotten very difficult to distinguish one from another in many cases. Um, the intention behind a piece of music, whether it is designed to entertain or perhaps to do more than entertain, is perhaps significant. But, for example, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of, there's a song by Duke Ellington called Sophisticated Lady. And that song is a total masterpiece. It would be a great masterpiece if it were written by Schubert or Schumann or Debussy or anyone. It is musically incredibly sophisticated, and the lyric is unbelievably telling. So in what category do we put Sophisticated Lady? And there are many such pieces. Now, of course, you know, we all have grown up with the kind of cult of the masterpiece and the idea of the, the master composer, and, which is wonderful when that exists. But for me, music is itself a wonder. And sometimes I hear a piece which maybe is the 
only piece that someone wrote, or perhaps the only piece where they really kind of hit the target absolutely in its center. And for me, that's as much a miracle or a wonder, because it's part of the large testimony that music really is, that even that one piece can make it very clear to you what somebody was like, how they felt about things, and that they felt strongly enough about what's in that piece, and they felt strongly enough their love for other people that they wanted us to get that message. And that's a very, very, very wonderful thing, and that's what gives me the greatest joy in being a musician. and conductor Michael Tilson-Thomas. <laughs> 